0: A Poem for Proverbs. Okay, so I gotta deep dive this thing and really understand my role. I go where you lead and go beyond what I know. Are you sure? Because I plan, I tend to execute, I follow through and you say your wisdom does not lead to execution but birth. So this difference between starting a thing and making it new is decided between what I do on my own and what I give to you. It's the mouse in the wheel versus the bird in the sky. And the path we take depends on whose sight we rely on. Okay. to be a great parent. Well, right up front, I have to confess that talking about being a great parent is a lot easier than actually being a great parent. Any parents out there, right? I mean, it's easy to talk about, it's tough to do. And from my perspective, I. Having kids is one of the greatest gifts, the greatest privileges that God ever gave to Roxanne and myself. It's a great privilege, but along with the privilege, the job of parenting has been one of the most difficult assignments of our lives. It is complex. It is not easy. You can't just parent every kid in the same way. They're too unique and they're too different. There's an old book title that I think describes it perfectly. Parenting isn't for cowards. I mean, it's just not. Great title, so true. And yet it's worth the work. Here's the good news. God's given us his wisdom as to what it takes to be a great parent, to do the best job that we can do. But to benefit from his wisdom, we actually have to be willing to hear it and then choose it and so the best I can do for you as a fellow pilgrim in this journey of doing family and life that way the best I can do is lay out God's truths and wisdom but you're the one in the end in the private moments of your life in the private settings of your family that need to choose to apply it and it's my prayer that you will. So here's the truth that forms our entire conversation this weekend on choosing to be a good parent. We can give no greater gift to our children than the gift of wise living and wise parenting. Greatest gift we can give to our kids. I mean, it's always great to set them up and help them financially, always great to help them academically, always great to help them to do athletics and learn character and all that stuff. But the greatest gift we can give our children, there's no greater gift than the gift of wise living ourselves and then wise parenting of them. Look at how God says it in Proverbs chapter 6, starting with verse 20. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now, notice, they're basically saying the wise parents have lived wisely and then parented wisely, invested in their kids, all the things they need for living. And here's then what would happen. When you've had wise parenting, bind what they've taught you and shown you upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. Because when you walk, The influence of your parents will guide you. When you sleep, their influence will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Verse 23. For these commands, that which your parents invested in you, are a lamp. They light up the world of darkness. This teaching is a light. It lights the path you have to walk on. And the corrections of the discipline are the way to life. Proverbs 17.6 children's children are a crown to the aged now i need to stop right there and tell you i'm a little bit offended by calling me aged that i have a <laughs> little challenge with that but i guess i'm old but children's children grandchildren are a crown to the aged when you parent your kids wisely they know that the only thing you want from them is a lot of grandkids okay that's not true but the reality is grandkids are a great product of this and they're a crown and they're beautiful but this second phrase in Proverbs is pretty unusual in our culture and parents are the pride of their children now it doesn't say children are the pride of their parents It says, parents are the pride of their children. We live in a culture where there's a lot of parent trashing going on, right? There's not a lot of pride in parents. They call me the old man. Shut up! But in reality, when we invest a wise life and then invest wisdom in parenting, though there will be seasons where they despise it, they don't like it, they'll reject it. In the end, they will have pride in what you've done. The greatest gift that you can give to your children is the gift of wise living and parenting. That's the truth. Now let me give you the application. Here's how it can weave into the fabric of your everyday life. Here's how it can make a difference in the reality of your family life. If we really want God's best for our children, and let's be honest, 99.9% of people want the best for their kids. So if you really want God's best for your children, then you need to make the choice to live and parent wisely. And that's the entire context of this conversation. It's what the whole conversation is going to be about. Because when we do, we'll be providing the right kind of canvas for them to paint the story of their lives on. But I need to give this major caveat. It doesn't ensure that they'll paint the right pictures on that canvas. Now listen, this talk is going to try and highlight The principles upon which we can choose to be good parents. This talk is not meant to heap guilt and shame and make you sad. It's not about that at all. Because the reality is, God was the perfect father and he lost all of his kids. Adam, Eve, us. So this isn't about attack and blame. This is about what can we do to lay down the right canvas. They might choose to paint the wrong picture on the canvas, but at least we'll be giving them the best shot at it. You know, in the end, I'm going to stand before Jesus and give answer for what I did. In the end, my kids are going to have to stand before him and give answer for what they did. But I want to give every ounce of me to help them to have a great shot at painting the right picture don't you that's what God's wisdom can do so the rest of our conversation this morning is simply going to focus on this thought how can I be a great parent I mean how can I do it in this complex world in this difficult world in this dark world I mean what do I have to do and so I'm gonna lay out God's wisdom for you as he gave it to us Not holding myself up as the perfect standard. I will share my life experiences, but I'm flawed and failed as well. And another thing, each one of these principles I could spend a couple hours on. But if I did, I'd be speaking to an empty auditorium because you'd get up and leave eventually. So that'd be pretty worthless. So all I'm going to do is highlight the principle, kind of make sense out of it in a relevant way I trust, And then, if it's something that applies to your need, then you can do more with it. You can pursue answers on that yourself. How to be a great parent? Well, first, it starts here. Choose to treasure your children. Choose to treasure your children. Now I know what you're thinking. Seriously? You have to tell us to treasure our children? Did you see these people up here? Oh, I mean, they're just, they're treasuring their kids. It's kind of a natural thing when these kids are born into our life, at least for most of us. But let's be honest. It's really easy to treasure them when they first show up on the scene. It's not so easy to treasure them as they start living out their reality. So some of you are in the fire of it now. And I never, I I was my parents didn't tell me how tough parenting was. I should have known. I have a pretty low IQ. I was the worst kid on the planet. I mean, I got kicked out of four different schools. Can you imagine the agony my parents but they didn't like say, "Brad, I'm telling you, it's going to be hard." I thought I'm Awesome, so I'm just gonna be a great parent. Guess what? There's fire in it, there's agony in it, and there are times when I did not treasure my children, I wanted to take them out. (laughs) Been there? Yeah, but here's what I've also found about me. The worst moments in my parenting, and there were many, were always when I wasn't treasuring them. When I treasured them, I made decisions for them. When I wasn't, I was thinking about me. You have to choose to treasure them, it's a choice. Look at what God says about it, Psalm 23, 25. May your father and mother be glad, may she who gave you birth rejoice. That should be the reality of the relationship with our kids. Glad and rejoicing. But you know it isn't always the reality because it has something to do with what they're doing. It's actually talking to the kid. Make your mom and dad glad. Make them rejoice. But that's not normally a thing. So we have to choose to treasure them. Look at Psalm 127. I already quoted it during child dedication. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. How happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Now, I just have to tell you something. There were seasons in my life where this had to be a meditative chant for me. I mean, my kids were just, oh, putting us through the ringer. And I would start chanting. They're a gift from God, they're a reward. There's a gift from God, they're a reward. There's a gift from God, they're a reward. None of my kids would exist on this planet right now without that chant. They're a gift from God, they're a reward. I had to choose it. And when I did, my parenting was more wise and my living was more wise. Maybe that's something you need to deal with. Maybe you're not cherishing your kids right now. Second principle, how to be a good parent. You need to choose. You need to choose to show your love, loving kids is important, you need to show your love by providing and enforcing boundaries. You heard that right, by providing and enforcing boundaries. This is not common in our culture. This is not normal in our culture. In fact, talk like this in our culture can get people in trouble. Come on, you know what we have to do. Forget about the accountability and all that stuff. We just have to love our kids. Many think they don't need to discipline their kids. All they need to do is love them. Wrong. I think about it logically, really. I know it feels good, it's comfortable. I love them so much they'll just be overwhelmed by my love. It's going to drool right out of their pores. It's going to be... No! Love is not enough to keep them from getting run over by a car in the middle of the highway if you've never provided the boundary that the highway is off limits and then enforced it. Love will cause them to get run over. It's not enough. And true love, according to God, is expressed by providing and enforcing boundaries which means there's a lot of teaching in our culture these days from the so-called experts professing themselves to be wise they have become fools that say you shouldn't discipline your children you shouldn't put down you shouldn't enforce it just keep loving them in accepting them as they are no look what God says Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Please notice that the rod symbolism is synonymous to discipline. It's talking about providing and then enforcing boundaries. And the one who doesn't enforce boundaries hates their child, no matter how much they say they love them. The one who provides them and disciplines them is showing love. This is God's wisdom, not mine. Proverbs 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Let's just be I'm so tired of people saying, my kid's so precious, they're so awesome, they're so perfect, they're so... No, they're not. Your baby must have just been born for you to think that. (laughs) Folly is bound up in the heart of kids. I mean just nuts first of all they don't know not to touch stoves they don't know not to go out on the road they don't know a lot of things and they seem to do everything opposite of what is right so what do parents do if they're going to be good parents the rod of discipline discipline will drive it far away help them to get over their folly proverbs 29 15, a rod and reprimand Discipline, providing and enforcing boundaries, imparts wisdom to our kids. But a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. A lot of that in our world today, right? Because providing and enforcing boundaries is so far away from the norm. And the reason is it's so misunderstood. Let let me just say it the best way I can. Disciplining our kids is not about punishing them. Punishing accomplishes nothing. And be honest, usually when we punish our children, it's because we're exasperated, we're over the top, we're angry, and we find relief in punishing them. That's about us, not them. And know this, when you punish your child, it is absorbed into their life and it hurts them it doesn't help them punishment is wrong discipline is not about hurting children it's about loving children in fact here's what it's about it's about teaching them self-discipline disciplining our kids is about teaching them what they don't come out with self-discipline and it's taught by helping them realize that sometimes the pain of saying yes to something wrong that they want is greater than the pain of the loss of saying no to what you want. But to get there, it takes external discipline. That helps them to understand, oh, that's worse than the gain that I got. They, they need to develop internal discipline and it takes external discipline to get there now I'll just share something from Roxanne and myself in the way we raise our kids that might help might shed light on this and then we'll go to the next principle when our kids were born we decided we weren't going to move any of the valuables or decorate our house differently because we had kids in the home you know how people do they every valuable everything that can't be touched out of reach of those kids. You give your kids free reign, free openness. There's nothing they can't touch. Ooh, Doesn't work well. So we left our valuables out. Now, I'm going to be very, very honest and frank. Our valuables weren't all that valuable, so it was a little easier for us, but We left it out because we wanted our house to be filled with things in this place of protection. We wanted our house to be filled with things that they could not touch so we could teach them self-discipline. Because by nature, what do they want to do with our shiny objects? They want to touch it. And sure enough, our kids came out all over, valuables around, it's like, you know, and we, here's what we would do. We'd go up and we'd tap their hand. We're not talking about punishment. We're not talking about pain. We're not talking about hurt. By tapping their hands, they would know we're disappointed and they would go, wah! I'm gonna have to apologize for the noises I'm going to make, but it's like, wah! You know, but then they'd reach right back out for it. We'd tap their hand and they would pull it back again. We're not creating welts. We're not creating redness. We're just disappointment. Wah! The greatest moment in our parenting in those early stages when when we saw our kid reach out to touch it, think, and pull back their hand because they realized that the gain of touching it was more painful and hurtful than the pain of saying no to themselves. You know what that gave our kids an opportunity to do? to have the self-discipline to say no when drugs were offered them, that shiny object, when pornography was offered to them, that shiny little object, when all these other things that are going on in the world. If you do not help your kids to develop self-discipline when they're 15, they will destroy their lives and destroy you, which explains what's happening in our world. It's time that we provide (laughs) boundaries and enforce accountability to them. Great example of this, just so you know, it's not about my example. God the Father is the great example. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about him as Father to us. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. What's he do? He disciplines those he loves. He doesn't give them free range. He doesn't say everything's okay. Anything you choose, anything you want to be, anything you say, oh, it's so cute, it's so beautiful. No, because he loves us, he disciplines us and punishes everyone that he accepts as a son because he's a good father. Verse 11 no discipline seems pleasant at the time, it's not comfortable for the parent or the kid it can be painful but later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it it changes the potential of their future because self-discipline is the key to everything and you want to be a wise parent that's what you have to do I, I have to tell you it's a lot easier to remove all the stuff let our kids do whatever they want be whatever they want, but when they get old enough to make life-destroying decisions, will regret it, will regret it. We need to do everything in our power to teach self-discipline. Maybe that's something you need to focus on. Maybe you need to learn to say you're going to count to ten and actually stop adding fractions that make it an infinite count. Here's another principle. You want to be a good parent? Choose to make every effort to point your kids in the right direction. God has put them in our sphere of influence so we can point them in the right direction. I've heard parents in our culture these days say, I don't want to point them to God, I want them to find God on themselves. I don't want to point them to this, I don't want to lay my thoughts and beliefs and morals on them. I want them to find it themselves." Really? Talk about fools, uh, folly being caught up in the heart of people. That's crazy. Are you saying you're never going to guide them to walk? Are you saying you're never going to guide them? to math, we need to point them in the right direction or we're not being wise, we're being foolish. Look at how God says it, Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off on the way they should go. Guide them, direct them in the right way. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Now, don't misread this. The Proverbs are God giving us the general wisdom of reality. This is not a promise that if you raise your kid right, your kid will always turn out right. He's not promising that because God raised us right and we all went wrong. Thank God for Jesus and redemption. But this isn't that promise. But it is saying you want to be wise, point them in the right direction, guide them in the right way, and there's a really good chance When they get older, they're going to stick with that. So if we're going to make every effort to point our kids in the right direction, what does that involve? Well, it involves a lot of things, but let's boil it down to this. It involves practical issues. Parents should guide their kids to understand relationships. That demands that you live wisely as well as parent wisely. Because let's say you parent wisely, but you demonstrate horrible relational qualities. They're going to take your behavior instead of your words. We need to guide them financially. Most parents don't. Most parents have a hard time with it themselves. I'm not attacking. I'm just saying reality. Look at the stats. So, if you want to guide them in the practical issue of finances, I've come up with a great method. Show them our politicians and do the opposite. (laughs) Just a thought, just something to say, I don't know. (laughs) Guide them towards vocations that make sense with who they are. Guide them and point them in the right direction physically, you know, exercise, nutrition, ways to benefit that way. It also involves character and values. We live in a world that basically has erased all sense of God's morality. But parents, you want to parent wisely, you need to help them understand the importance of character and values, the source, God, and then what they are and how to live them. It involves gifts and calling. If you're going to truly guide your kids in the right direction, you need to try and figure out their gifts and their calling, what they were designed for. Because God has created each and every one of us in certain ways for certain things, and every one of us is unique. We're not the same. And so think about the ramifications of that. We need to parent each kid uniquely. And this is one of the big problems in families. They, they try to parent every single kid with the same design, the same system, the same formula. It does not work. I know this from my own failed experience. I, the example, our first child's name is Carissa. Our daughter Carissa was born. And I'm just telling you, I, she was like the perfect kid. Perfect. Talk about compliant. Talk about smart. Talk about receiving everything we did and applying it. She was perfect. Cleaned up after herself. Perfect. I, I was so impressed with Roxanne and myself. I knew we were such great parents that I started doing parent series to tell people how we were doing it and how doing it like us would change their lives. And then our son Blake was born everything went wrong. I haven't taught on parenting since. I'm just telling you. Failure begets failure. So that's hyperbole. But seriously, he was so different, so uniquely made. We couldn't put him in the same system. It's easier to raise them all the same. It just doesn't work. And so you need to figure out who they are how God wired them their unique personalities their unique drives and help guide it in the right way and this verse really highlights that Proverbs 20:24 20, a person's steps are directed by the Lord God is directing each one of our kids in unique ways we need to help find the way God's directing help the best of our ability and direct them that way and finally Pointing your kids in the right direction involves spiritual focus. First and foremost, spiritual focus. Why? Look at Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord, our relationship with God, being in awe of who He is and responsive to who He is and aligning your life under Him, understanding He's the great power of the universe, is where wisdom begins. Knowledge of the Holy One is where understanding begins. So if you want to parent your kids wisely, you need God's wisdom. They need God's wisdom. The spiritual focus is everything. It shouldn't be last on the list. It should be first. Is it in your family? Maybe this is an area you can concentrate on, but there's more. No there's more. (laughs) sounded like a game show host all of a sudden, but there's another principle. You want to choose to be a good parent? Choose to be a positive life model for your children. Realize it's more than what you say. It's who you are. Does not mean you have to be perfect? I'm certainly not. doesn't mean you have to do everything perfectly. But it does mean you have to be authentic and genuine because your kids know when you blow it. Maybe you should own up to blowing it. I have found one of the strongest moments in my relationship building with my kids was when I came and sat on their bed and said I really blew this one I really blew it and I'm sorry but that's a big part about being a positive life model isn't it? we have to be a positive life model if we're gonna parent wisely in life and words and I'm not making this up look what God says Deuteronomy 6 These commandments that I give you, God says today, are to be upon your hearts. It starts with them being in your hearts. You're, You're embracing them. You're committing yourself to them. You're living them. And then what will come naturally when it's on your heart is you'll impress them on your children. In fact, you'll talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up because it's naturally a part of your heart. Then he says this, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads." It's weird language, right? But just realize, hands represents what we do, foreheads represents how we think. So he's saying, make it central to every thought you have and every action you take. Because when you live that way, your kids will start seeing the canvas upon which they can paint God's story. great example of this in the Bible is a guy named David, King David, the David of David and Goliath fame. He had a son named Solomon and just so you know David wasn't perfect, very flawed. In fact Solomon came into existence because of a major mistake that David made, but at his core, at his core he had a heart for God and so Solomon in writing the Proverbs chapter 4 verses 3 through 4 says when I was a boy in my father King David's house still tender still very impressionable and an only child of my mother my dad taught me he taught me really important and I, I love what God says about David in Acts thirteen twenty-two. God testified concerning him I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He'll do everything I want him to do. And so here we have this great example of a man who was flawed, was not perfect, but knew how to absolutely pour himself out in confession of that because he had a great heart for God. And imagine what Solomon saw in his dad's godliness. And it influenced Solomon for a time. Did Solomon turn out perfectly? No but he got God's wisdom because of his dad's influence now I have to tell you it's hard to teach kids isn't it? I mean it's hard those of you who teach kids as a vocation are either the most wonderful human beings alive or there's something deeply wrong with you but it's very difficult and I appreciate you and I applaud you and I honor you but as parents we have to yeah they're amazing But. As parents, we have to teach our kids, and I found I was bad at it because, as you know, this is what I do for a living, right? It's like, I, I, I'd come at my kids like this, and they'd go, Pff! they I couldn't get through, man. Talk about iron. It, and then I, I tried the question mode of teaching, you know. How'd your day go? Fine. Well, what happened today? Nothing. You know, I I could not get through. But then I found a secret for me, at least. It might help you. I found when I would tap into something they were interested in, knowing their gifts, their calling, their unique personality, what they like doing, and would do that with them, give up my time to spend time doing what they like, all of a sudden it wasn't fine and nothing. It was a conversation because we were doing something they loved. Their heart opened up and they would start sharing things about their life and I, they'd let me speak into things in their life because we were doing things together is it easier just to say how'd you do today and feel good about yourself? way easier but wouldn't you rather parent wisely? really big deal in the end I love Acts 13 22 because David did in all of his mistakes David did the one thing kids need most god he put that first in his life even when he failed he showed what it was to confess and to get right with god and his kids saw it and he influenced them on that and so what i want to do with this conversation is i just want to end it with two questions okay first question is this have you ever asked god to change your heart I'm not saying, have you ever attended church? That would be a dumb question. You're here right now. Have you ever asked God to change your heart? Because that's where wisdom begins. Look at, look at how David did it. Psalm 5110, created me, O God, a pure heart. I've really messed up my heart. I've really failed. Created me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me i need you to change my heart all of us need this because all of us have failed all of us have guilt all of us have messed up but our failures don't have to be final because jesus came and lived the perfect life we failed to live and then died in our place the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord and then he rose again to give us new life which is why paul can say second corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Have you ever experienced it? If you're ever going to live wisely and parent wisely, that's the beginning point. And so, just before I bring the conversation to a close, I'm just going to ask you if you would. Bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment. And all of you have something to talk to God about, but if you're here and you've never really invited Jesus Christ in to change your life, pray with me now, would you? Maybe you're online. Pray with me. Just in faith, take these words of mine and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I'm praying with David. Create in me a pure heart. Renew a right spirit in me you know I've sinned against you I'm guilty I'm confessing it to you but in faith I'm trusting your death on the cross to forgive me and your resurrection to give me new life make me new in Jesus name amen if you just prayed with me you're gonna see it on our screens or wherever you're watching on your screens just text us the word Northridge to 316 16 that's our texting number and we'll send you a link, You fill it out, get it back to us, because we want to send you a book of the Bible in journal form, really worth having, and then ideas for next steps you can take. We'd love to know you took that step and to help you forward. But there's another question. If you've already asked them to change your heart, then how about this question? Is your life right now a worthy example for your children to follow? Is your life, and this isn't about trying to make you guilty, it's trying to help you identify how to apply these principles to your life. Is your life a worthy example for your children to follow? If not, make that your focus, make that your goal. Let God empower you through it. And now a final thought. The parent's gift, you know, living wisely and parenting wisely. The parenting gift, and this is my favorite part of the whole thing, has great potential for positive return look at how Proverbs says it a wise son brings joy to his father and that is an amazing thing I know what it's like to go through the pain the difficulty the complexity the grief the disappointment of parenting but I've also had the privilege on the other side of knowing that. Blake was crazy. Crazy. We still don't know everything he did because he's afraid to tell us. Even now he's almost 40. But let me just tell you something. He brings joy to me. And it only is possible because of God's grace and because we laid down a canvas that could ultimately influence him to paint the right story. It's worth it in the end, but it's not easy. I'm not gonna pretend that one talk can change your life. It can give you principles that can help you, but we'd like to help support you in moving through. And so our team has actually decided to put together for talks like this, what we're calling taking the weekend into every day in fact this wednesday night this wednesday night we're doing a support ministry opportunity for you on parental impact and i'm telling you some of the topics are so important navigating social media with your child that's a biggie dealing with my middle and high school student and me how to build that relationship My beautiful blended family, maybe that's your circumstance. Habits today to shape tomorrow in your life, in your kid's life. These are really valuable, but to benefit from them, you have to choose to do it. You can do it. With instant gratification, you can leave our Plymouth environment right now and you can go back into the classroom right as soon as I say the final prayer. Go right into the classroom behind this auditorium and they'll tell you about it and they'll point you in the right direction and they can even register for you that if you want. If you don't want to do that or you're online, just send us a text to that number, 31616, with the word next as the message. We'll send you information about that really a big deal. I hope you'll take advantage of that. We want to help you in this unbelievable journey of being a good parent. And don't forget, all of you who aren't parents, these relationship principles can work in all the areas of your life if you'll apply them there. So I hope you will. I know you'll be happy in the end that you did. All right. So that's that whole conversation on parenting. So now I have this other talk for you. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. I do have one thing I want to share with you. We are three weeks away from Easter. Three weeks. It blows my small, tiny, little brain. I cannot believe we're there. But on Easter, we have nine services at Northridge Church, seven here at Plymouth, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Hope you'll choose very relevant ones. If you choose Sunday at eleven sixteen, Easter Sunday, good luck and enjoy Overflow. That's kind of the way I say it. Uh, but we're doing it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so you have lots of choices. And then we have two services at our Brighton campus up in Northridge. And here's what we need you to know. The whole campaign this Easter is you are loved. Why? Because most people in this world feel very unloved, very rejected, very isolated, very unaccepted. And we want them to know Easter's all about them being loved. We have this three phrase thing. He died for you. He lives for you. You are loved. You're going to see it on billboards. You are loved. Easter at Northridgechurch.com. But it takes an invite from you so our team put together invites. You can see them here. You are loved. Easter at You can get as many as you want. They're going to be at every exit as you're leaving. We hope that you'll take them. Give them servers at restaurants. Give them to family, friends, neighbors. Give them to your worst enemy in hopes that God will change their life and they'll become worthy of being a friend. I mean, just invite people. And if you want to do it digitally, all you have to do is text INVITE to 31616, we'll give you a digital invitation and you can send it to all of your friends. We're so serious about this thing that we actually made t-shirts. Yeah, that's Northridge for sure. And the t-shirt says, you know, he died for you, he he lives for you. It's great that I know our three sayings so well, isn't it? <laughs> and you are loved. And it's on the t-shirt. It's just a great way to open up invitations. Why am I marketing Easter? Because Jesus left heaven, came to earth so that the hopeless could find hope and they're all around us. We just have to invite them and God can change their world. So I hope you'll do it. I'm so thankful you're here. I'm so grateful for you. Congratulations to families and parents of the children that got dedicated. Hope to see you next time. Thanks everybody.